It's my sincere pleasure. I guess one of the most exciting things for me is to welcome to this microphone uh, my mentor, the person, the doctor who has probably meant the most to me in my professional and my personal growth as a Christian physician. Many of you know that before coming to the Christian Medical and Dental Society, I, I, I literally came out of Africa. I spent 11 years there working at Tenwick Hospital, and that time there was spent under the tutelage of Dr. Ernie Sturry. Tenwick Hospital is located in the highlands of Kenya. It serves a population of over 300,000 Kipsigese people, as well as many clear out into Maasai, in, in the heart of those beautiful game reserves. I wish on tape I could just kind of take you there and give you the sounds and the pictures of what that beautiful country is like. Imagine with me the beauty of God's creation, uh, the Maasai Mara plains stretching out with animals, elephants, uh, giraffe, zebra, uh, wildebeest grazing out on the beautiful plains, vast blue skies filled with pink flamingos around Lake Nakuru. You know what I miss most about Kenya, though, is not its gorgeous beauty and those pictures you've seen in the Out of Africa movie. I miss the people, the wonderful Kipsigese people who were so loving and kind to us. And I remember Dr. Ernie and I used to go out on, on clinic trips. And, of course, when we went there, the people didn't speak the Kipsigese language, so we'd have to use a translator. In fact, on one of those trips, there was a video team. And I, I want you to kind of get a little vignette of a clinic scene there in Maasai as Ernie is talking through a translator uh, with a mother and a little girl whose feet are severely deformed. And, and she's been praying to Jesus that God will help heal her feet. Listen in. She's saying that she has been praying that Jesus, Jesus, give me faith. Oh. And then uh, asking the mother whether Jesus is really hearing her prayer. And then uh, he said, and then Jesus can help. You know, Jesus can help. Well, I hope that when the orthopedic surgeon comes to Tenwick, yes. that he can take a look at her feet. And maybe God will answer prayer yes. through him. Mm -hmm. Just recently, we learned that Jesus has actually answered this little girl's prayers and she can now walk again. The sign that greeted patients as they came into Tenwick Hospital really said it all. It said, we treat, Jesus heals. And as doctors, so often we had to tackle things way beyond our abilities and our experience. And, and time and time again, we just saw God's faithfulness. And I, if I had to say anything about those 11 years in Kenya, it was just that again and again we saw that God kept every one of his promises.
just a real pleasure for me to have my mentor with me here in the studio today, Dr. Ernie Sturey. And uh, I could sit here and talk about him for the next hour, but I think it'd be much better if uh, we hear directly from him. And I just wanted to get him in the studio to kind of just put down on tape the story of his life and what's gone on in it. Uh, God's used him in so many ways to impact a wide variety of people, including me. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you come to know the Lord? How old were you? And then we'll kind of move from that into how you ended up on the mission field. Well, Dave, when I was a a young child, we lived in a uh, Swiss community where uh, the people of the community were attending a special church that had all the services in German, German German-Swiss. and This was here in the United States? In the United States. Yeah. That is correct. And I really didn't hear the gospel until we had a visiting evangelist, which came in because the church was kind of breaking up. And for the first time in my life, I really heard the gospel message. And I remember that evening going to the altar and finding the Lord. I was about 12 years of age, and it just changed my life completely. I I just felt like I was walking on air when I came out of that church because for the first time in my life, I felt like my sin had been taken off my shoulders. So how'd you end up in medicine? That is a career. You went on through high school into college? Yes, although I never even thought about medicine during my early years. If somebody would have asked me if I would be a doctor, I'd have probably said, absolutely not. (laughs) And in fact, it was not until I was in college that I really started thinking about medicine. I had planned to enroll in the United States Navy when I graduated from high school. I really never stopped to ask the Lord what he wanted me to do. I was just planning my own career, something exciting, something I love to do, and I thought I'd love to go into electronics. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the recruiting office there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I asked the recruiter if I might be able to get into the Navy and get into electronics. And he said, well, let's give you some uh, examinations, some tests, uh, and find out if we could do that. And after giving me the examinations, he said, yes, we'd be happy for you to join the U.S. Navy, and we'll train you in electronics at the Great Lakes Naval Training Station. The day came when I said goodbye to my family, and I left to go to Fort Wayne to the recruiting office, planning a Navy career for myself, and uh, there were about 25 young fellas there standing in line at the recruiting office. The recruiter had all of the documents in his hand, and there was a Greyhound bus sitting out at the curb outside the door, filling out. And as I approached the door, suddenly in my heart, I felt I was doing the wrong thing. And I turned to the recruiting officer, and I said, look, is there any way to back out? And he looked at me, and he said, well, yes, I mean, until you're sworn in, you can back out. And I said, okay, thanks, and I stepped out of line. And uh, I won't tell you what he said to me because it wasn't very nice after all the hours we had spent together. But I went home that day very angry with myself because I didn't know why I had done that and I didn't know what my future was. I felt like I had blown the greatest opportunity I ever had in my life. And I went home very angry at myself, at God, at everyone else. And I remember when I arrived back home on the farm, my brother was out uh, husking corn, and I went out to help him, and I threw those ears just about as hard as I could (laughs) because I was trying to get rid of my anger. 
But about a week later, we had some special services in our church, and the evangelist was speaking to us about complete commitment to the Lord and being filled with His Holy Spirit. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and I went to the altar that evening, and I said, Lord, I don't know what you want with my life, but whatever it is, here it is. And probably never realizing what that was going to be. <laughs> that is correct. And I probably would have been scared to death if I had realized yeah. what it would be. So uh, within the next few weeks, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart a real burden for missions. And so I went to Asbury College with the thought of becoming an evangelistic missionary, a church planter. And uh, that was why I went to college. During more year, my roommate, who was a young fellow from Wyoming, who had always wanted to be a doctor... He said to me one day, Ernie, why don't you be a doctor and go to the mission field? You could win more people to the Lord that way than you could as a preaching missionary or as an evangelist. And I said, Mark, the last thing in the world I'd ever be is a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor. I couldn't be a doctor. No thanks. He said, well, you think and pray about it. But for a long time, I didn't even do that. But he kept after me. And finally, I went to my advisor, Dr. Hammond. I'm sure you remember him, Mm -hmm. a very godly man there at Asbury College. And I gave him about 10 reasons why I couldn't be a doctor. And he said, Ernie, if the Lord wants you to be a doctor, he can help you through all these problems. He said, why don't you switch to a biology major and see if you enjoy it? And I did, and I thoroughly loved it. Yeah. So where'd you go to med school? I went to med school in Indiana University. And went right after college? That's correct. Okay. And then, uh, if I remember right, you received an award from them a few years ago. Yes, I received the award of um, the Alumnus of the Year from the Medical University. So you were there four years, and when did when did you kind of focus in to where the mission outreach was going to be? I mean, God leading you not only in your in your career as a physician, but you know, when did you know it was Kenya, and how did you prepare for that? Well, the interesting thing was that God was leading along that line all the time, and I didn't know it. I had come from a large family. There were nine children in the family. My father had died, and my mother was left on the farm, unable to help us through school, of course. And as I thought of going to med school, I knew I had no money to do it, and I was looking around for help. And so I asked our own denomination, the Missionary Church, to see if they might have some money to loan to me to go to med school uh, with my thinking of going to the mission field. And uh, they said, we're sorry we don't have any money for that, but we've been needing a doctor and praying for a doctor in Sierra Leone for many years, and let's hope and pray that you can be that doctor. Well, that that was nice, but it didn't really help me financially. <laughs> no and, money in your pocket. <laughs> uh, no money in my pocket. I was still at Asbury, and um, by this time I was going with Sue Gross, and we were going steady and thinking about the future. She had already been called to the mission field. She felt in her own heart that God was leading her to Africa. And she knew quite a bit about world gospel mission because they often had missionaries at the camp where she attended as a young person. And these missionaries usually came from World Gospel Mission. One day, Sue told me that the president of World Gospel Mission was going to be speaking in chapel at Asbury College. And she said, why don't you go to him and ask him if he might have some money in the mission to help me? After the chapel, I went to Dr. Warner and told him my problem and uh, asked him if World Gospel Mission might have some money. And he said, no, I'm sorry, we don't have any money. But you know we've been praying for a doctor for Tenwick Hospital for 25 years. Let's hope and pray that you can be that doctor. Well, again, I was not very encouraged because I still (laughs) didn't have any money. 
but at least he showed some real interest in praying about it and, and helping out. And I did not hear anything for about six weeks, and then I received either a letter or a call from him. I don't remember which, but he said that they had just received a check for $10,000 in the mission office designated to be used on a medical student planning to go to the mission field. I knew that God had answered prayer. And uh, it is really because of that that we ended up at Tenwick Hospital because they had been praying for a doctor there for 25 years. I wonder who that faithful person was that wrote out that check not knowing who it was going to go to, what impact it was going to have, and uh, was just faithful to uh, do what God told him to do. Right. We found out some years later who wrote the check, but again, it was simply being obedient to the Lord, and, and they wrote it out never knowing where it was used until we happened to meet and were able to share our story, and then we found out where the money came from. Talk a little bit about the importance, I know you feel this, of finding someone to sh- that, that's your spouse that shares your vision and your calling. Because I know that's one of the things I run across uh, as I go around the country talking to students and they're struggling with which way does God want me to go. And even as they're struggling with that and, and come to some clarification in their own life, I've seen too many of them just dissuaded because they end up marrying someone who does not share that vision. Right, I've seen that too, and it is so sad to see someone who has had a mission call and has had a burden for missions to uh, give up that call and go into private practice, staying here in the States and so on, and never really fulfilling the potential that God has for them. Well, when I met Sue... She already had a call to Africa, as I had mentioned. Mm -hmm. She had settled it in her own heart. She even knew that God had called her to Africa. And so when we started going together, I knew that God had brought us together. And, um, you know, if we had not both had a call to Africa, going through those first 10 years at Tenwick Hospital, being alone, the only doctor and so on, I'm not sure I would have survived because Sue had to raise the family. She had to do all the work at home. I spent very few minutes at home other than to eat and sleep. And I just felt like uh, God had given me the right spouse to uh, help me through my difficult times to raise our family when I didn't have the chance to do it. Having that common purpose and bond that binds you not only together but binds you to God. I think it's so essential in ministry, and uh, without that, uh, before long, there's discord. And really, literally, the foundations are pulled out out of the ministry that God's called you, whatever it is, whether it's a mission field or whatever. So I think that's just a real essential. When did you start having your family? We had our first uh, child before I graduated from med school, and we went to the mission field with a two-year-old little girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened after med school? You got out, and what about uh, postgraduate training? I took my internship at Gorgas Hospital in the Canal Zone. I'd heard that uh, they had good tropical medicine there, and I really wanted to go into surgery. I wanted to get a residency, but the mission wanted me on the mission field because they'd been waiting for 25 years. <laughs> they had Five al- more years was a long time. Right, and there had already been one or two doctors who had planned to go to the Tenwick Hospital, and something happened, and they were waylaid and never reached the field. And so the mission was quite anxious for me to get out there, and I thought, well, I'll get an internship, and uh, then I'll go out there and uh, maybe come back and do a residency later on, but that later on never occurred. (laughs) (laughs) So paint the picture for us. Arriving in Kenya, this was, what, 1959? 
That is correct. And you arrived there for the first time. What was Kenya like? What was the the living situation, the uh, health situation, some of the things you faced back there in those early days? Well, Kenya was still called Kenya Colony because it was a British colony at that time. And uh, independence didn't come until 1963, four years after we arrived. The hospital uh, was a little bit discouraging because it was so very primitive. In fact, it was almost more primitive than some of the mission stations in Panama that we visited. <laughs> um, we moved into a small uh, house that the, the missionaries actually had built an indoor bathroom for us because they knew we were coming. And so we really felt privileged to be able to live in a house with an indoor bathroom and running water and so on. Electricity? Electricity. Uh, there were three hours in the evening from 6.30 until 9.30, and then I think on a Monday they had it on from about 9 o'clock to 11 or 12 o'clock for the washing. Yeah, to do the washing. Yeah. Well, tell me what it was like practicing in those early days. I mean, the first doctor and uh, the hospital had never had one before, so I'm sure you brought a lot of new capabilities to the hospital. And uh, what happened with patients and all the rest of it? Well, at the beginning, I tried to help the nurses by just seeing the difficult cases that they could not handle. And it was soon evident that we had to do surgery because the nearest hospital was 50 miles away and the roads were terrible during those days. And it would take about two hours to get there if the road was not too bad. Mm -hmm. And so we, we had to do surgery and I had... Uh, practically no experience, so I uh, studied the books a lot and prayed a lot before each surgery in preparation for the Some of that, what surgery. we used to call cookbook surgery, where you put the book by yes. the operating table and uh, That's right. <laughs> do a procedure you've never done before. Yeah. What, what would be a typical day back then? Well, a typical day back then would have been that I would go on the wards in the morning and see the problem cases because the nurses would go ahead and see those that were getting well. And then I would go up to outpatients and start seeing outpatient cases that were too difficult for them to handle. So all day long, it was pretty much back and forth to the ward and outpatient, running from one emergency to the other, and then doing surgeries as they came in. There was very little schedule at that time because there had not been any surgery before and uh, we just kind of had to build a schedule into our work as we went along. Were you there by yourself and for how long? I was there by myself for 10 years. Actually, we had doctors come on two different occasions, but they did not stay long. In fact, they came to cover our year of furlough mm -hmm. when we went home, but um, each one of them left before that year was over for, for various reasons. So uh, I was alone most of the time during those first 10 years. And not only was I alone as far as the hospital was concerned, but there were times when we did not have any maintenance people or any builders there. And so I had to do a lot of the uh, maintenance and supervision and so on in regard to that. Well, I can remember my first time, uh, when was that, 72, when I was staying in your home. And we go up to the hospital, make rounds, we go down and work on the Volkswagen, and we go up and do surgery, and we go down and work on somebody's water heater. And I remember uh, that there was a lot more to uh, missionary medicine than just the medicine end of it. We'd fix stuff at the hospital, and, and of course, you expanded the hospital tremendously. The time I got there in 72, it was about 130 beds or yes, so. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. So how did that happen? I mean, the expansion. Well, uh, the Lord did provide some funds for us, and in 1962, we were able to uh, open up a new medical surgical building where we had